It's always good to hear somebody confess what God is doing in their life. Amen. I need to hear that stuff. We all need to hear that stuff. You remember when I told you that you need to read your Bible daily and that you need to be hearers? In week two of our seven-step seven series, you need to be hearers. That's the stuff we need to hear. That's the stuff you need to hear. Hey, Mike, it's your turn. Cam, it's your turn. Davin, it's your turn. It's your turn. I haven't told you what you're going to do yet, but are you ready? All right. You guys know when I say stuff that'll start to offend. Watch this one. If I asked you today to take over a ministry, and your response is, let me think about it. Let me talk to my wife or husband first. My all-time favorite, let me pray about it. You know what those three answers mean? Pretty much. My kids called me out many years ago. It was pretty funny because when they said this to me, my brain calculated every time I had done this, and they were absolutely right. My kids asked me about doing something one day, and I said, uh, maybe. And they go, dude, every time you say maybe, that means no. When you say we'll see, that means maybe. And they were right. If you ask me something and I respond to you with we'll see, that's a Chris maybe. If I respond to you with maybe, it's a no. It's a no. So the reason I said I asked you today to take over a ministry and if your answer would be let me think about it, let me talk to my wife or spouse about it, or my favorite, let me pray about it. I ask you that because I'm going to ask you then to open your Bible and show me the story where God told someone to go home and pray about it. It's not there. That story does not exist. But I can tell you one really good story about somebody who didn't heed God's calling right away. He ended up in a big fish. So you see, let me think about it, let me talk to my wife or husband, and let me pray about it are all bad answers. Because it's your turn. That's not how God works when he says, it's your turn. And when he says it's your turn, you're never ready for it to be your turn. Ever. Right? Are you ready? Are you really ready? I've gone through some surprising ones. I remember, uh, okay, I stopped drinking in 2011. And Bibi and I attended a wonderful Bible teaching church in Whittier, California. That's where we lived. We lived in La Mirada, but it was on the border of Whittier. And uh, we went to church. The church had a home group ministry for recovery, and we got involved. A couple years into that ministry, we were loving the Lord. We were loving what God was doing in our lives. And the people running the ministry were like, 
We're moving to Fresno for the high-speed bullet train. We got the contract with Tudor Perini, and we're out of here. We got to go north. Would you guys be willing to take over this ministry? Well, let me go home and pray about it. That was not my response. <laughs> my response was yes, because I could see from the two years that had been going on that God was preparing us for something like that anyways, right? You ever like to pretend that you don't see what God's doing in your life as he's prepping you for something? Just like to pretend like, I don't know that's really going on. How do I know that's really God? Maybe things are just really, the stars are aligning for me, right? That's the way you think. So a couple years into that journey, uh, uh, we moved to Escondido under God's provision, right? Bibi and I moved to Escondido. And we church shop a little bit. I've told you this story. Uh, we church shop a little bit, and at this point, I'm not going to say I'm burned out, but I have a career, a career that creates stress in my life. I'm raising my family. I'm like five, six years newly sober, so I'm still like trying to adjust to being like a normal citizen and member of society. And so... We moved to this church, and I'm like, let's just find a big church where I can go punch the God card like we were here every Sunday. We'll sit in the back, we'll praise, and we'll go home. The church will be so big, nobody's going to bother us to do anything for a long time because I'm tired, babe. Soon as we showed up, we, we planted into this church, Foursquare Church, Foursquare in Escondido. It was Escondido Christian Center. We plug into this church, and of course, the church has Celebrate Recovery Ministry. So we're like, hey, let's go to the Celebrate Recovery Ministry. Because we do other AA, but we're like, oh, we're going to go to the, to the Christ Center group too, because we love Jesus, right? So we end up at the Celebrate Recovery. We're not there long, and the ministry directors are like, will you have dinner with us and the pastors? We wanted to talk with you guys. We wanted you to know that you are answered prayer. We began to pray to God this year to bring a strong-rooted married couple who was sober, who wanted to help other people and had a passion for addiction recovery. And I'm like, thanks, God. I was trying to blend in the back. Did I say, let's go home and pray about it? No. My wife nudged me when I didn't say that because I said, yeah, we'll do it. She was like, we're not going to talk about this? What's there to talk about, babe? This is what God wants for us. So, fast forward the tape. We move here. Provisions change for us. We move here. And Chris does the same thing. I'm like, all right, I'm tired. I'm tired of helping people. I'm tired of giving up eight hours on Sunday. Because that's what church was like back then. It was like, dude, we would go to church. We were there at church for three hours plus, and then we would go home, and then we would turn right back around, and the CR that night would be like a four-hour adventure for us every weekend. And then I'm like scheduling speakers and scheduling bands to come and play and like reaching out to people and doing all kinds of stuff. And it was a large ministry, larger than our churches right now, right? It was like that. I was like, it was stressful, right? So I'm like, I'm like okay, I just want to go, plug in somewhere up north, take some time off. I need some break for ministry, and I'm moving into a new role at work. I just want to focus on that, make a little money, not hurt anybody. So we church, we church shop, man. Went to all the big churches in town, and God just does this crazy stuff inside of me. He's like, no, nah, you're not here. It's not for you. 
I show up here to the rivers one day. You guys know the rest of the story. Here I am, right? Like, dude, the circumstances changed. We were 400 miles from our family, friends, home, everything we ever knew. We, had no new, we know nobody here, right? We had nobody. Me and her. Talk about marriages getting strong, moving away from everybody, strengthened our marriage because we only had each other to depend on, and it was great. And so, uh, you know, so... Again, you guys all know the rest of the story. Our theme for this year is what? Rise up. Rise up. Now, we're a Bible teaching church. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm going to do my best to not chris it where I stop and start talking. <laughs> There's only like a highlighted bulletin in your bulletin, but I'm going to read the whole story. And it's not up there either because that would have just taken way too long to edit in my pro presenter. So... Again, now that I'm making it clear that we're all rising up and we finished our series, the seven-week series about the steps and habits to rise up, we're going to start a new series. It's called It's Your Turn. Kelly can't do it all. Skip and Greg can't do it all. Pastor Chris can't do it all. It's your turn to step up and rise up. That's what we're doing as a church. Every week there's like new faces. And you know what's crazier? I come back next week and you come back like I didn't annoy you or offend you. I probably offended you, but you actually liked it. You were like, he was kind of right, you know. <laughs> Boy, he really said something that I heard 80 times in the Bible, but the way he said it actually made better sense, and that is what it says. I like doing that. I like, that's how God has challenged me with his word my whole life. I hear somebody say it. I hear somebody read it. I read it. It looks different, and it says something different to me, because I'm like, well, this is what it clearly says. I like what you said, and I like the way you twisted it and put a bunch of lovey-dovey stuff on it, it made it sound real pretty, but it was kind of blunt, <laughs> and it was real straightforward. And this is kind of what I think it said, and that's what I'm always going to tell you up here. This is what I think. This is my opinion. This is what my interpretation is, you know? So we're going uh, to read Moses. This week, while it's your turn, it's Moses' turn, right? You all love Moses, he rescued the children of Israel, right? He's a hero. God selected him out of all the people on earth. Right? He's the guy. He was ready, right? He was perfect. He was almost like Jesus. Like, great guy, great attitude, great public speaker, no anger issues whatsoever. Totally the right guy. We're going to start reading. I'm going to, go, I'm going to blow through this story because I don't want to keep you guys here too late. But I might. Exodus 3. One day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. 
There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. We all know that God does not show up in burning bushes anymore. He shows up through his Holy Spirit through men and women like you and me. Don't miss your burning bush experience. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. That would be kind of cool to see. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take, your sand take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. That would be kind of scary. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. Chris, why does God allow the world to suffer? Why does God do that? Know, they were suffering for 400 years here. There was a purpose one that nobody could answer until the time came. So, I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites... Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. Look! The cry of the people of Israel has reached me. And I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abused them. Now, go. Comma. Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. Why? Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Let me think back. The last time I saw Hebrews getting abused, I killed an Egyptian because I couldn't control my temper. And then the Pharaoh wanted to kill me. Great idea, God. Let's go. I sign up for that one. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? I got let out on my own last time. God answered, I will be with you. That's all, that's all he needed to hear, right? That is all God needs to say to you. I'll be with you, Javier. You need to know nothing else. But we all know that's not where this went. Because Moses, he's a lot like you and I. Yes? I should say you and I are a lot like Moses. And this is your sign that I am the one who sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt. 
You will worship God at this very mountain. Right here. But Moses protested again. If I go to the people of Israel and tell them the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel. Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Now go and call together all the, Israel, all the elders of Israel. Tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me, I've been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I've promised to rescue from oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. The elders of Israel will accept your message. Perfect. It's a done deal. Got it. Got all that written down. Ready to go. Right? That's what happened, right? Then you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey in the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. Now, there's going to be some trouble on your journey here because, but I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I need you to go to where you came from, where you killed somebody, where the Pharaoh who was alive at the time wanted you dead. I need you to go to the people who already ran you off last time when they told you they saw what you did to that Egyptian. You're going to go back to them. You're going to tell them that I sent you the eye that nobody's ever seen. You're going to tell them this message. They're going to accept it. Then you're going to go to that king. You're going to go to that Pharaoh, and you're going to tell him to do all these things. But he's not going to let you do that. Got it? Perfect. And break. Right? No. Didn't work that way. I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a, unless a mighty hand forces him, so I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Do you remember what the miracles were? Ten gods of Egypt slashed down one at a time. That was the miracles. Uh huh. From the water god to the sun god to the Pharaoh himself. I'm going to strike them out one at a time and show these gods they're not real. That was the miracle that God was going to perform. Then at last, He will let you go. I'm not going to tell you right now the end of the story, but I'm going to kill His son because He's going to be that hard hearted. He's not going to let you guys go. I'm going to have to take what's most precious from him. But if I told you that, you probably wouldn't want to go. And I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably upon you. Really. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. They're going to be so glad to get rid of you. They're going to give you all their gold and their silver and everything. 
Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in their houses. You will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. Wow, right? You know what Moses said? He was like, all right, I got it. Got all my notes, I'm ready to go. That's what it says in chapter four, verse one. Oh, no, it doesn't. It says, but Moses protested again. What if they don't believe me or listen to me? What did God tell them? The elders will accept the message I give to you. But what if they don't believe me or listen to me? I really, 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 really think they're gonna, but what if they don't? I really, 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 really want to believe you, God. But I got this thing, it's called doubt. And I got this other friend of his, it's called fear. And for some reason, they're really winning this battle right now. Yeah? Anybody been there? Okay. What if they say, the Lord never appeared to you? At this point, God begins to become frustrated. Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff. Moses replied, throw it down on the ground. The Lord told him, so Moses threw down the staff, the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign. The Lord told him, then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Then the Lord said to Moses, now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak. This is Moses, the baby in the, in the bushel in the water that was pulled out, raised with Pharaoh, your hero, the guy who saved the people from the Egyptians. This is your hero. Moses put his hand inside his cloak. So Moses put his hand inside the cloak. And when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back into your cloak, the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in the cloak. And when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. I am a burning bush talking to you. I have told you who I am. I have told you my name. Javier, I am a burning bush talking to you. The one that you were amazed that wasn't burning up, that's me. I'm talking to you. I'm telling you who I am. I told you what I want you to do. I told you everything that's going to happen ahead of time. I told you that you're going to make it back to this mountain and worship me here. I just turned your, your staff into a snake. I just made your hand turn into a severe skin disease and heal itself right before your eyes. Are we good now? Nope. Nope. Nope, 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 nope. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and you are not convinced by the first mir miraculous sign, snake. They will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you even after those two signs, 
Then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. At this point, Moses says, okay, God, I got it. I'm ready for the mission. It's my turn. Nope. It says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. And I'm not now, even though you have spoken to me. I get tongue-tied. My words get tangled. I don't think this is going to work out. Let me go home and pray about it. Then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear? See or do not see? It is, is it not I, the Lord? Now go! Exclamation point. First one was now go, comma. You ever heard God speak to you, now go, with an exclamation point? It's like your dad when you were six years old and he had the belt out and he said, now go! Right? You knew that the next implication, if you did not respond was pain. And for those of you living in this era, we don't have those kind of ways anymore as parents, unfortunately. It worked. So, now go. I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, your hero, Moses. Your hero. Moses, superstar, hall of faither, Hebrews 11. Moses, here's what happened. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send someone else. I don't want to do it, God. You got the wrong guy. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. You know what happens when God gets angry with you? He has a big fish swallow you up. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said. What about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you, talk to him, and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece. And you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs I have shown you. That's where it stops right there. Moses was totally the guy, right? He was ready. And it was his turn. And he was 100% willing, just like you are, to do whatever God throws his way. Yes? No? So, number one, it's your turn. Boy, that was a hard one to figure out. This is like kindergartner stuff for the rest of the way now. It's your turn. Let's look at what I mean by that. This is what your turn is always going to look like. Number A, bullet point A, the circumstances won't add up. The circumstances won't add up. We'll go into more detail on these in a minute. Bullet point B, the timing won't add up. 
I just moved here. I'm new. I just want to sit in the back, punch my God card. I'm 400 miles from home. I left the ministry calling back there. I'm good now. I just want to be a dad and a husband, Chris, the guy who goes to work. People appreciate. The calling might not add up. The calling might not add up. You want me to go stand in front of Pharaoh? I can't speak. I have a speech problem. How am I going to be an advocate for anyone? I can't even advocate for myself. And bullet point D, my favorite, the excuses will come out. This is what happens. When it's your turn, these are the four areas that are going to pop up right away. Circumstances don't add up. Timing ain't right. Calling, not really sure that's what God wants me to do. And the excuses come out. Let me think about it. Let me talk to my wife or husband. Let me pray about it. See that? You see it? Now, let's look at Moses' story here. Let's look at the circumstances. Two circumstances. Moses was far from Egypt. Midian's was not a stone's throw away from Egypt. Moses' circumstances were this. I was raised in Egypt. I killed somebody there. And I left. I'm not allowed back. I now live in the land of Midian, very, very far away. How about this? Moses was a family man at this point. I can't get involved in all that stuff. I have a wife and I have kids. This is a single man's job. This is, some, this is for somebody who's not devoted to anybody else but you, Lord. Okay. How about this one? Moses was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd, tending flocks that were not his. He owned nothing. What do you think his self-worth felt like? I'm going to throw a tidbit out there. Moses is 80 years old tending somebody else's flock. Talk about saying to yourself when you look in the mirror, I have nothing. I have a wife, some kids, and I tend flock for my father-in-law who probably has sons who will inherit all this when he dies. And I will have nothing but a wife and two kids in my old age. All the circumstances for Moses did not add up. Let's look at the timing. Timing. Oh, don't do that. Moses left Egypt at 40 years old. You do know this, right? Moses was raised in Egypt in the family of the Pharaoh by the Pharaoh's daughter. And he was 40 years old when he struck down an Egyptian and left. 40. How many people in this room are under 40? Okay, 
Quite a few. How many people are right around 40? Now, B, Moses now resided in Midian for another 40 years. What are the circumstances? Anybody go back to where you grew up, childhood, very far away, and every time you go there, you're like amazed when you look at the place and it just seems how much you've forgotten it? 40 years in Egypt, 40 years in Midian. He hadn't gone back to visit, folks. There's no memory recalls here. This is 40 years away, 40 years later after 40 years spent there. He's 80. Moses is now 80 years old when God says to him, it's your turn. Moses is now 80 years old when God says it's your turn. Does this sound like the right time to get called in life? Hall of Father, God's main man, burning bush, you're the guy. Are you ready to go? No! Look how amazing I am. I'm God. I'm the God of all the, I'm the God of your ancestors. Are you ready to go? No! You're going to go and tell Pharaoh to let the people go, but he's not going to let them go, and I'm going to raise my hand up against them, and I'm going to perform miracles and show how powerful I am. Are you ready to go? No! You're pissing me off, Moses. Throw your stick on the ground. Did you see what just happened? Pick it up. Ever seen anything like that in your life at 80? Are you ready to go? No! Let me pray about it, God. I, this is the stuff I read in the Bible, guys. This is the way I read it, man. When I read it, I'm like, dude, get with the program. Because when I grew up, these were all happy stories. and You were like excited to want to be these people. And then all of a sudden you realize they fall short. They fall short. Do you know why they fall short? Because they're just like you and I, which means we are just like them, which means we all fall short, which means God is ready to use you. It's your turn. D, Moses must feel way too old and too disengaged from Egypt and his people. I don't disagree with him here. God, retirement age was 62. I'm still tending flocks because I own no retirement. You want me to take my old, decrepit body that's tired and go to Egypt and stand in front of Pharaoh and tell him that the people are leaving his workers? You want me to go tell Elon Musk that I'm taking all of his employees? So what do we do? My favorite, this is, this is where I get into the good stuff. What do we do? Excuses. This is what Moses was filled with them. You are filled with them. Do you know where your excuses come from? Every time God's ready to call you to do something and he says it's your turn, when you tell yourself you're not ready, do you know who told you that? The enemy. And you know the worst part? 
God sits here and says, I am who I am. Look who I am. I'm the God of your father, your grandfather, your mother. I'm the God of the Catholics. I'm the God of the Christians. I'm the God of this whole world. I'm in control. I am who I say I am, and I've performed miracles in your life, and I've changed circumstances for you time after time. And you know who you believe? The liar. I'm not ready. We begin to make excuses for God. We begin to make excuses for God. What do you mean, Chris? Do you remember what Moses said when God said, you're going to go do this? He said, oh, how are they going to know you sent me? Who am I going to say sent me? How are they going to believe me? Let's make some excuses for God. Then you know what he did? He'd make excuses for ourselves. I'm not a good speaker, God. I'm not good at any of that. I'm not the guy. Wrong person. Every time I speak, I turn red. I get flustered. I don't know what to say. I sit down. The teachers asked me 14 times to stand up in class this year and make a presentation. I fail them every time. I'm not the person. And then you know what we do after we make excuses for ourselves? We do what Moses did. We continue to make excuses for ourselves. And you know what happens when you continue to make excuses for yourself to God? He gets angry. You think God in the Old Testament got angry, but God in the New Testament doesn't get angry? He is still God. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forevermore. Therefore, if God got angry with Moses, don't think he doesn't get angry with you just because he gave you grace. Just because you have Jesus doesn't mean that God doesn't get angry with you when you drag your feet and don't answer and heed his callings. When he says it's your turn and says jump, you say, how high, God? But you don't. You say, let me go home and pray about that. That's the cliche, churchy, Christian answer. I'm going to have to pray about that. Hey, you want to, do a home, you want to be a home group leader? <sighs> See, Tuesday night I do this. I'm going to have to talk to my wife. Let me pray about it. I'll let you know. Where's my home group leaders? Where's my possible home group leaders? Boom. Hands up. Hands up. You know what you do best? Don't put it up yet. Don't put it up yet. I'm going to say it and then we'll put it up. This is what you are best at. I'm offending you. We want to disqualify ourselves to get out of the calling. That's what you do. You disqualify yourself. That's what Moses did. I can't speak. I can't do this. I'm too old. They want to kill me. I've got 18 reasons to tell you no, God. And they're personal reasons. I mean, they're legitimate, God. Right? These are legitimate. Don't you understand the way I feel? 
Aren't you taking me into consideration here, God? No, he's not. When God says it's your turn, it's your turn. This is a church full of people, it's our turn. I don't know what it is God's going to call you to do this year. I don't know what God's going to ask me to ask you to do this year, but it's going to happen. And what are you going to tell me? I found another church. I found a new church. And they had a cool ministry, dude, like they had this thing, and we went out on Tuesday nights, and everybody made me feel so loved, I could totally sit in the back, punch my God card, and not help out. It was perfect. Is that what you're going to do? You're going to jump ship? You're going to jump ship? Look at the momentum we got. Look at the momentum around here. You're going to jump ship? Or are you ready? It's your turn. It's your turn. This week, Moses. Next week's a surprise. But we're going to look at all these guys. I'm going to show you how every single one of them feels just like you. Every one of them. Not me. I'm not the guy. I'm not the right timing. I'm just a kid. But by the end of this year, you'll be standing up saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who defies the armies of the living God? That's what you're going to be saying by the end of this year. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your message. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for Moses, Lord. I thank you for the, for the miracles that you performed in the life of Moses, for the miracles that you performed for the children of Israel during that time. I thank you for your word that we're able to look back on it today, Lord, that we're able to, to search out the truth, Lord God, to see that we are just as human as everybody else ever has been, Lord, that nobody's above anybody, Lord, that nobody's necessarily walking on water, and the only person who tried was Peter, and he failed, Lord. So, Father, I just thank you, Lord, that you love us. I thank you that you carry us on, Lord. I thank you that you have given us your word today, Lord. I pray a blessing over all my friends and family here, Lord. I pray that you be with them all this week and bring them back safe next week. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.